Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. Before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to the affiliates. So, I don't know if you guys can see, there's some cool new art on the side of the podcast, uh, the friends and affiliates section. I'm going to be making some changes here soon, um, mainly just because, I, I don't know, you evolve, and now that i got time to think and look at stuff and not give my 66 hours a day to somebody else. I'm giving it to myself. It's easier to take a look at your life and figure out where you can make some improvements. So look for some changes soon on the website itself. I've been working with the guys at Podcast Blast Off um, to get that figured out. So that's the first affiliate. If you see the link, if you want to start your own podcast, click on the link. I'm on the website. It says Podcast Blast Off. Start a podcast. Uh, I recommend it, man. I'm a big fan. If you don't know you don't want it the hassle of making your own website or doing that. Me, man, I've never enjoyed any of that. I uh, I enjoy talking and I enjoy editing, and that's it. So, um, but anyways, so check that out. Also, Nature's Image Farm. So they are sold out of everything: um, birds, pig, all that fun stuff. However, they will have more in the future. So feel free to email them at naturesimagefarm at gmail.com. Um, or if you're interested for Humphrey, a Bocking 4 or 14, send them an email. Get it over to them, and they will get that mailed to you back. Um, anyways, uh, and then newfarmsupply.com. New if you go to newfarmsupply.com and you get anything there, use uh, code word sample and save 20% on any purchase. And finally which is why we're on this Failing Forward podcast. Go to, click on the link for Profitable Urban Farming. There will also be a link in the show notes where you can save $100, or if you just want to sign up for the payment plan, click on the link. Um, that's going to be under Friends and Affiliates. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. I had a fun time talking with James and Scott, as usual, and uh, look forward to bringing you guys more episodes here soon. Ladies and gentlemen, wow, let's let's try that again. (laughs) Ladies and Jeopardy. Ladies and Jeopardy. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. Um, I'm happy to have, uh, well, and I can say I'm joined as always by my co-host and now new host of of the new podcast, Stoic Metal, Mr. Scott Hebert. And... uh, Another guy from our profitable urban farming class we're happy to have on today, Mr. James Burnt Son of Radical Roots Farm. How are you doing today, James? Good. Yeah, I'm great. How are you guys? Good. Doing well. Doing well. <laughs> um, so it's kind of the same thing with Christian. You know, we, I was in the Facebook group and I posted a message and I said, hey, looking for, for people that uh, want to talk about their year and, and talk about their farm. And you, you, were, you said I'd be happy to. So... Uh, just kind of getting into it, James. Uh, how? Uh, what? What got you into farming? Like, what made you want to become a farmer? Yeah. Um, so, I grew up in Washington, a small town outside of Seattle, and I was actually I went to school up in Bellingham, Washington. That's not too far from uh, 
You, Scott, I don't think so. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've been there lots. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went up to school in Bellingham, and I'd always kind of – I started to get into – I was very interested in just gardening in general. Um, just, you know, backyard, had a little small garden. And our campus actually had a um, a school farm on it. And I'd High always kind of – College. This is this is my college. Yep. Okay. And uh, our school had a school farm on it that was student run, um, and it was they grew for the food bank um, in Bellingham. That was the main objective. Um, and so I'd always kind of been passing through it and really just kind of enthralled by this magical world. You know, it's like oh, there's chickens and all this food. Um, and so. I think it was my junior junior year I applied. They had summer apprenticeships. And so I was a summer apprentice there um, while attending school. And I was studying environmental science. Um, and, yeah, it was just led by another student who had taken some, that Santa Cruz, like, organic program down in California. Okay. I'm not familiar with it, but, uh, okay. What? I said, oh, I said, yeah. I'm not familiar with that program. Yeah, I think it's in Santa Cruz. Is it like a pretty um, big program? Yeah, it's 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 for larger scale, but um, still, okay. so it's like it's more um, now. Okay, I got you. It's for like a larger scaled organic farm. So okay, so, yeah. So you so okay, so you applied and then uh, so you yeah, started so I, as an intern intern first. Yeah, so I was like just an apprentice, but it was pretty loose. You know, it wasn't a big production farm. It was probably like maybe an acre and a half or so. Um, and we just grew for the food bank, which was which was really cool just to be able to deliver there and see how stoked everyone was. And um, yeah, and then I was kind of doing other stuff, but then the following uh summer i after i graduated i worked for another farm outside of bellingham and it was uh it was an organic farm a little larger called broadly farm um with the guy dusty williams who's kind of a little local legend up there um pretty old time farmer but uh and i was the first person to come on to his farm that season it was i think it was like late february march when i started and i was just picking asparagus and everything but because i was the first one to start that season he let me run the farmer's market while i was there which was an awesome learning experience um yeah and then uh i don't know there's a lot of (laughs) in-betweens but i ended up yeah moving to oregon with my girlfriend and and so what brought you to oregon like so what 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 took you from volunteering on a farm getting farmer's market experience to saying, you know what, I want to do my own farm because I'm looking, stalking yeah. on Facebook right now. It looks like for a little bit you were a, a technician at Winter Creek Restoration and yep. and now you're an owner-operator of your own farm. Um, yep. So, you know, so so you leave Washington, you're, you're going to Oregon. Um, now, did, did you guys move there? Is your girlfriend from there? Did she get a job there? Is that where you got that job at, the Winter Creek Restoration job or... Yeah, so we were we'd graduated from our uh Bellingham and we were kind of ready for we loved that town, but we were just kind of ready for a change and we had um a lot of friends who lived down in 
Bend area and we had visited a couple times and really loved the area. And um, after my farm season, we, me and my girlfriend had hiked uh, two months on the Pacific Crest Trail and we had hiked through Central Oregon and visited again and just really fell in love with that area. So we were just decided that's where we we're going to move after um, working for Europe in Bellingham. Um, and yeah, I was, I actually didn't think I was going to farm really. I didn't, I mean, I really wanted to farm again, but I didn't think I was going to like jump into it as quickly as I did. Um, yeah. It was kind of, when I was up at uh, Broadleaf Farm, it just kind of overwhelmed me, like the amount of capital investment it took. You know, he had several tractors, a huge, uh, like barn with a really, like, you know, legit walk-in cooler and all this infrastructure. And then that's when, like, after I got off the trail, that's when I uh, got Jam's book and I read that and just kind of like, oh my God, like, you don't have to have all that to start. And that's when I started getting really stoked about the small, like being, it's actually like a realistic, you know, realistic goal. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how old were you? Like, uh, how many years ago was this? Was this uh, two years ago, three years ago, last year? Yeah, this was two years ago. Um, so you, and how did yeah, you find so then, JM's book? Were you just curious and you're Googling and you're like, you know, yeah. I, I want to farm, but is there a way to do it without her? Did it just kind of find you? I can't, I think you know, I remember actually, I was just somehow online, I ran into Curtis's Stone YouTube video of him interviewing JM. That was like the first thing I remember seeing. I don't know how, I was probably just looking up like farming, gardening things. Um, and yeah, and then I read all the reviews and I read it all. Um, so I went down that rabbit hole and yeah, so when I moved to Bend, I got a job uh, working for a native uh, restoration, like, landscaping company. And I really liked that for a while, but, you know, I wasn't wasn't super passionate. You know, I wasn't what I wanted to be doing for forever. Um, and so I started looking around to work for other farms. But there's not that many farms in Central Oregon. It's the high desert it's pretty harsh climate um so the opportunities for employment for other farmers is pretty slim and so i was trying to network with people and i went to a, a local food summit um and i met an older gentleman who was looking for someone to basically lease his land and he had um previously had like a community garden on his plot Mm -hmm. that he was so he had all this infrastructure you know he had several um unheated greenhouses he had like a fenced uh acre and it was pretty you know all the land was pretty worked and managed pretty well so he had all this structures that he wanted to be you know put to use and um so it was kind of serendipitous that we that we met and i started coming out to the farm lot and helping him out with little projects, you know, and then, um, I decided just to go for it, to try it out that one, that first summer. But I, you know, I was still very like safely entering it where I didn't quit my job until like May. So it's like pretty late to start farming. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd saved up, you know, a few thousand dollars where I was able to throw in 
money for seeds and all the supplies. But, you know, I only started, I think my first year, I only invested like $7,000, like really low expenses for. Um, had, had you already signed up for Curtis's course or is this just from reading JM's book? That was all. Yeah. So my first year I hadn't, I didn't really know about Curtis at all. Um, so I was just going off JM's book, but yeah, I was doing the, I started to do the 30 inch, um, system, but you know, I was, I didn't do a CSA in my first year. So it was kind of just like hard to find like where my niche was, my, you know, my sales, I was doing a farmer's market. Um, and then towards the end of my first year, I started listening, I was listening to permaculture voices and that's when, um, Curtis's profitable urban farming course, um, course, you know, was discussed and his, uh, yeah, his interviews with Diego came on and, and then that winter I decided, you know, I need, if I'm really going to do this, you know, I need to do it right. And, um, yeah, because I wasn't doing a CSA, I wanted to really know like how to sell the restaurants better and, you know, like how, what yeah. I didn't really know, like, to dial in on the high profit crops you know i hadn't really wrapped my head around what to focus on yet so yeah there's just so many variables you just don't know what to do yeah so yeah this was my i just finished my wrapping up my second year now and it was a world of a difference from my first year thanks to thanks Curtis's to Curtis's course, course and yeah cool. it was huge so what are your two what are your, what are your revenue streams your main revenue streams um, my main revenue streams, um, probably a little less, a little more than 25% of my sales are like, uh, my one Saturday farmer's market in, in Bend. Um, and then is that a pretty, have, is it a pretty big one? Like, are there, are there a lot of people there? It's a, yeah, it's, it's like the, there's one bigger one on Wednesday. So I have like the second largest one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty big. You know, there's a lot of, I'm doing, I do like average 800, but sometimes, you know, I've got close to a thousand and cool. there's definitely more room to grow, you know? So it's cool. Yeah. And what else? Uh, Restaurants? Distributors? Yeah, so yeah, my, the second biggest one is a distributor who, sells to other local restaurants and they also have their own produce box. So they're like an aggregator. And then, cool. um, I sell, I was selling, I was trying really hard to sell directly to a couple restaurants and it was just kind of, a lot of them were just really small and consistent orders. So I kind of dropped most of them. And one of them was had almost like a standing order with me since May every week he was ordering, you know, like, like 200 plus dollars of like the same salad mix and carrots and radishes. So he was the only one that I kept on board. And then, um, I also sell to like a small independent grocery store, but it's like Thanks. almost, they're a nonprofit, but so they have a pretty good margin. It's only like a 30% markup from the price. So it's, it's awesome. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so, I mean, like, uh, not to step back too much, so you, so the, the 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 spot that you're on, it, it was at a it was a guy who had it before, and he was looking to do it. it, so that you you you're basically just leasing out this guy's existing farm that has an ex- existing hoop houses and everything like that. Like how how yeah. how are you using your setup right now? Yeah, um, yeah. So Don Schnack is the owner. Um, 
he's he's 79 he lives there with his wife he's been in uh that area for like 30 years and he um he was doing like uh retail nursery stuff for a while and then he leased it out to another farm um and then he had a community garden on it um so it's got like a propagation house it's really it's like over set up like i couldn't be so yeah yes yeah, like so how much awesome. yeah that's what i was wondering so when when you got Curtis's system and you started looking through everything, like versus like how much of it are you actually using? Like, do you are you like his information? No, 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 no. Like of your of the infrastructure, you said it's over. Oh up. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm using I'm I'm not using all the land. So this year I had out in the fields, I had half an acre that was in use for majority of the season some of the like the outer beds i didn't really use till towards the end of the season um but then i'm also have five 18 by 48 hoop houses which is huge you know so that's almost another like quarter acre or like and that's and that's what he already had there or did you yeah oh that's great i didn't yeah i didn't build a single structure it was pretty awesome and I helped build a cold room last year, which was crucial. So that's like the only thing I kind of and, helped with. And that's like for your walk-in cooler. Yep, with the cool bot. Yep. That's great. That's great. I still need to. I still need to call those guys, man. I haven't. I've been on like this yeah. hiatus vacation, guys. I haven't even wanted to mess with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard yours uh, kind of was. It's resetting up at you. fifty, and I don't. And I, yeah. it's, maybe it's something we did, or maybe something not. But I, I'm sure it's it's going to be an easy thing. Um, yeah, I'm so, sure. If you call them, it'd be a quick fix. I'm sure it will. Yeah, I'm going to do that this week. But uh, so you're using the hoop houses now. Did, what all crops? So you said the first year you were looking for your niche. What? How many different crops did you grow that first year? And then, oh my gosh, yeah, because. <laughs> I remember when we were everything. Ju- yeah, when we were when we just read JM's book and we were just oh, at yeah. a community garden. Like, I remember uh, Joel and I had like just we had ground cherries, we had everything. Yeah, but it all was the like, worst things. Yeah, and it was like, man, like we made most of our money when all we did was sell salad. Nobody had yeah. salad, and we made uh, all yeah. of our money doing salad. So, um, so h- how many crops are you doing? Because I know. Um, uh, you know, I know a lot of you know Curtis's course is just small crops, root crops. Are you doing? Are yeah. you doing microgreens in any of the internal structures? Are you doing any of that stuff? I'm not. I'm not doing microgreens this year, but that's definitely. I you know I bought seed and um like the germination trays this year, and I was trying to. I just kept falling on the back burners, but definitely that's my goal next year to kind of experiment with those systems to be able to sell those at the farmer's market because no one at my market has microgreens which is pretty you know it's an, definitely an untapped little market absolutely and then uh what so what crops then did you mainly switch to focus on from year one to year two yeah so the first year like i said i had no clue what i was doing um yeah like i had worked at farms but never had any say in the planning um so I did tons of potatoes. I did cabbage, kohlrabi. I did, you know, I even tried some sweet corn. I should say my climate is, is it's a high desert and um, we're at like 2,400 feet and we get like freezes like 
I got freezes, you know, June 15th this year and as early as like the beginning of September. Like it's pretty harsh climate. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went from growing all that everything, just really low value crops. And then this year, I think I was around like 20 different crops. Um, definitely salad mix um, was my top one with the Salanova and other greens. Um, and I, I still did a lot of head lettuce, um, romaine for restaurants and butterhead for the markets. Um, did you do any of the, like, uh, Salanova butter, butter crunch or mainly a yeah. different, okay. I didn't know if it was, I did, did you do a few yeah, different I species? Did, yeah, I did, uh, Curtis's, uh, recommendation with the green crisp, red crisp, and then the red and green butterhead. Yeah. Those four. Yeah. And it worked out pretty well. He, he said he was doing like 75 green crisp. And when I was doing that, that was like, I just found it was like too much just green. So I started doing just like 50 green crisp and then uh, 25 red green crisp and 25 of the butter varieties. Yeah, the other yeah. ones just grow so slow. They do. Yeah, yeah they the green do. crisp yields yeah. so much, so man. The, yeah, the, other, the green crisp yields so much. So it's like even with that 50-50% mix, it still looked like mostly green crisp because it's <laughs> yeah. way more yield on it. Yeah, but that worked out a little better. And then you do some romaine too to restaurants. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it for the for for the for lettuce, just the salnova, and then then a romaine species or romaine kind. Yeah, and I was doing uh, like red butterheads were pretty popular, and um, I'm starting to do little gem lettuces too, and the restaurants really like those. That's through the distributor has helps me out with a lot of those other restaurant accounts. That's pretty cool. So does the distributor, um, so they, do they just basically say, hey, we like this stuff. Can you grow this as well? Yeah, so it's called, it's the distributor I work with in my town's called Agricultural Connections. Um, and yeah, they kind of have their own relationships with um, uh, chefs too. And so one particular chef or uh, restaurant they have is Jackson's Corner. And it's like there's two different locations in my town. So it's like a pretty big re local restaurant, you know, and the chef will uh, just tell the, the manager like what they use the most of the seasonality of it, like how much they need each week. And then she kind of works with the farmers to see who can grow that. And if the price point works, it's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome, man. Um, yeah. So when you bought materials that first year, sorry for jumping around quite a bit, but I always like to just talk to people and then kind of yeah, like think about I'm it. I'm like spitballing too, so you can <laughs> stop me whenever, man. <laughs> what, what did you invest in initially? You said you put you put seven grand into it. What, did you get a BCS? Um, yeah, so he actually had a BCS. I should say, so Don Schnack, this, this older gentleman. Um, he was already kind he of... Had read, okay, he had, yeah, he had read the market gardener by jam and he was so into that too so it was it was amazing how it worked out like we were both on the same page you know we wanted the small scale 30 like you know bcs like model and so that was super helpful did you have to buy any additional attachments i know um you know uh, eric schultz loves the power harrow 
I know that's yeah. on a list for me and Joel to get as well, but it's it's a pretty expensive attachment. But from what yeah, it, it's like twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, but from what it <laughs> from the sound of what it does, it sounds like it's worth it. But it's something totally. you build up to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, one of the bigger investments for our, our scales. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Not I bet. Sorry. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, I was going to ask you something else, Scott. Anything off the top of your head? Oh no, I thought you. Were- you're asking a question. I thought I yeah, was. Yeah, I never answered your question about uh, what I. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I distracted um, myself. I'm so professional, guys. It's not <laughs> like I've been doing this for five years. Keep going. Sorry about that, James. You know, it's okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. There was just a lot of small purchases, honestly. Like starting out with a lot of seed costs. Um, then I started buying, like you know, like totes. Um, I bought like. A wheel hoe, um, just a lot of random tools. Um, Let's get into this, James. What was the what was your biggest challenge this year on your farm? Okay. Did you get any <laughs> Did you get any curveballs? <laughs> yeah. So, um, let me think. So I'm still kind of getting used to this climate. So um, I had planted out two full greenhouses with tomatoes. One was all cherries and one was um, some beef steak and then heirlooms. And uh, June 15th rolled by and we had a crazy cold snap. It got down to like 24 degrees and it got down to 26 degrees in my hoop houses. And I lost like 50% of all the tomatoes. So that was a pretty big curveball because I had I'd already, you know, trellised a lot of them. They were, they'd been in the ground for like more than a month. Um and that was like one of those crops I was just banking on, you know, like one of the money makers I was had put so much initial work into. And um but it worked out. I mean, I just kinda pulled them out, planted some basil and focused on all my field crops too. And I think it actually helped me work on like my salad mix production a lot more. Good. Um Yeah. Um also Any weather? realizing what? Oh, no, go go ahead. Also, just uh, towards the end of the year, it was it was kind of nice to focus a little less on the smaller restaurant accounts and just really look at my few, like, you know, I had like five people, five different accounts that were buying a lot and really focus on them and just like give them everything they want rather than spread myself really thin through like, you know. Yeah, I like doing that people. too. Yeah, I like doing that, that too. Was, yeah, that I had some rest, but it's tough when you're getting started because you don't want to like throw it in with yeah. anybody, right? Because you don't know who's going to be valuable and who's not going to be valuable. Yeah. And then after a little bit, you kind of figure it out, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely takes time to make those relationships work. Mm-hmm. Did you have any burnout this year? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a big thing this year is I actually hired a part-time employee, which was amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Um, And right before I did, I was pretty on the edge of burnout where, you know, I was just doing huge orders by myself. And I was just realizing there's just not enough time to like (laughs) to harvest and wash all these and deliver them. Like, um, so I finally ended up hiring someone in June, but I'd already been, you know, a couple months in of some pretty heavy harvests and realizing I don't think I could do this all summer without any help. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. So, so you're it's it's just you really solo on the farm. So your your girlfriend, yeah, she she does her own thing, and you do the farm. Uh, yeah, she she helps me at the farmers market. So that's during the summer months. Once on Saturday, she helps me with but, that. But a lot of like processing and, and stuff. Yeah, like everything that, else yeah. I do by myself. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. And then how? Uh, so how 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 much? How, was it was your part time employee? Was that just a friend, or was it a? Um, um, did you have to another, did you have to interview people, or? Yeah, kind of. I did like a Craigslist ad post, but I ended up not really uh, loving just that Anybody experience. And I, yeah, I mean, there were some great candidates, but it just wasn't perfect. Um, and so another farm just like a few miles away from mine, um, they. There's like this nonprofit farm near me that had um, an intern that was only part time, and she was looking for other jobs, and they kind of recommended her for me, for my position. So I had her come out, and I just liked her. She had she's worked on farms for like five years, tons of experience. She was just looking for like another twenty hours or less, you know. And so she worked two days for me a week for the full season. That's great, man. And yeah, it was incredible. So um, what are you going to do differently next year from what you learned this year? Um, so there's a, there's a lot of things. Um, I'm still just going to kind of refine my crop list. And yeah, like this year was, you know, still the first year I had really um, done the whole salad mix. Um, yeah, that was all new to me. Salanova and just realizing how awesome it is. And, and I got the greens harvester this year. So I'm really going to prioritize greens more than I was even last year. Um, did you just get it at the end of the year though? Yeah. At the oh, end, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know. Brutal. <laughs> do you have a, but, do you have a Jang or do you have a, um, I have a Jang. Yep. I got that this year too. Do you have yeah. the, the tilther? Yep, I got a tilther. Yep, that's what I've been using, you know, instead of a power hero, and it's I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's you know I have pretty, I have like uh, my beds are fifty feet long, and then I have like a couple feet, and then another fifty foot section, and a couple feet another. So I have like I'm broken in a, into quarter acre blocks, and that it's not like a huge area to be able to turn around at BCS in those. Yeah. It's still pretty tight within my bed system. So I really like just grabbing the tilter and going out there to do some quick bed prep in between successions. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get one. Uh, my, the biggest complaint I've heard from both Scott and Curtis <laughs> is the, uh, the, the, the way you have to pull the rope. That's the only bad yeah. thing I've heard about it. I, I know. When I I still don't know if I'm really doing it right. <laughs> oh, I fixed it. I fixed it. I just moved it. I, I, seen a, I was watching JM's video, Market Gardener okay. Toolkit, and then he moved the eye bolt from the back. Just, um, where did he move it to? Does it go underneath or does it go at the back? doesn't it, matter. He switched um, it. Yeah, so have, it's on like the have, right handle. It's on the bottom of the right handle, I think, right? Yeah, I switched like the. I switched the. Yeah, it's on the back, and then I switched it to the bottom so that that rope can, because it, it's too short, right? The rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I switched it onto the bottom. I think I'll find okay. pictures of it. Yeah, I'll find. I'll you guys keep out. talking. 
Yeah, it's good. We can post some pictures in the show notes. Yeah, that sounds Pro good. tip. Pro tips. Um, so how many crops did you grow this year? You grew tomatoes. Were there any crops that you were growing through the year that you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not even going to touch that. It's just not going to happen right now. Yeah. Like I grew, um, I grew zucchini and uh, patty pan that I'm not going to even deal with next year. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did zucchini kind of like my first year, but it, it, it's, um, it was interesting for me. Like I had planned on, I did some radishes once, but it was like, man, like, cause I, my plot was so small. I'm like, man, like I'm just going to do salad mix. And then it, it, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I did. Like I could have done a lot better. Um, like put more time into it, put more work into it. But, uh, what, what are you doing for irrigation? Have you, had you, have you had to make any changes to the irrigation? I know you said that, um, the gentleman that actually owns the property, um, was was already you know into JM's work and into you know market gardener the same stuff we're doing now what what kind of irrigation are you guys doing yeah so the first year um i was i just kind of used what he had already had set up so it was just he had a big well and a pump and i was using hand lines you know which is pretty traditional overhead irrigation but it was just a huge pain moving hand lines every time i needed to water a new area and you know we have pretty sandy loam soils you know really dry summers so i was watering like every couple days and that was just huge drag for all these quick successions so this year i had talked to some other farmers who were using all drip and i i was like okay that's what i'm gonna do so this year i did all drip outside and it was great for transplants, but I'm definitely going to uh, look into doing um, overhead for probably like half an acre next year. And are, are you going to expand how much land you're growing on next year? Yeah, so I'm adding on just one quarter acre little block. So, you'll so be- I'll be at three-fourths of an acre out in the fields. That's great. That's great. And then, yeah. and then uh, all those hoop houses, are you doing um, – are you gonna Are you gonna try to do winter production or season extension next year, or were you already doing season extension? Yeah, so this year I um I did a lot of season extension. Um, I still have crops in all of them, like spinach, um, spinach, kale, you know, baby red Russian kale. Um, one hoop house is full of carrots. Um, yeah, and it went really well. You know, like this week. I did some of my last big harvest. We're about to have a really big cold snap. Like it's supposed to get down to 12, 14 degrees next week. Oh, wow. Um, And I have like an outside wash station. So like I'm kind of just going to take a break for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) because that sounds pretty miserable. Um, Yeah, but yeah, it was a huge success this year for the my trials into winter winter production. Yeah. That's great. Um, and, uh, for, so for, for the, uh, you said you have an outside washing station. Now, is that one that you constructed or was that something that came with the farm? Yeah, I kind of just pieced together a pretty, uh, simple wash area. Uh, he had like a lean to on a, on like a shop. Um, so just like a lean to with like gravel and I just made some, 
tables with uh, the quarter inch mesh um, and yeah, like a spray nozzle, you know, the dram um, area where I store all my totes, tools and plastic bags. So I do everything in this little lean to area. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Trying to think what else to ask you, man. Uh, Scott, do you, can you think of anything else? Uh, I think we covered a bit. Yeah. So any anything else off the top of your head that you're really looking forward to, to changing for next year or for expansion or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'm just excited to keep dialing in, like, all the systems. Um, you know, I, yeah, like, really work on the overhead irrigation. Um I really want to get, you know, the the four torch or rolling flame weeder. Yeah, me to too. Really, yeah, because <laughs> I had like a backpack one, and I was using that for, like for flame weeding carrots, and it was working out. But geez, it took a lot of time, and I was never really sure I was doing it perfectly, you know, coverage wise. Mm-hmm. Um. And so just kind of keep dialing in all my systems. Um, I visited Excelsior Farm this this uh, late fall down in... Nice. He's, yeah, he's over in Eugene area down in Oregon. And that was really cool to see his operation. Um, he's on like two acres, so a little larger scale. And he does use a tractor just for field for bed prep. Yeah. But, you know, he's definitely still 30 inch model like all high value crops and he's uh yeah he's like dropping a csa and he's uh just really streamlining for grocery store sales for his like mescla mix and to really see how he was doing it was just really exciting so that's cool that's a that's a really good farm to model after yeah yeah i was i was happy that i had him as a resource so close that's great. Are you going to try to do, um, uh, like, build a bubbler, like what Curtis just put together this year, or uh, do the um, washing machine, kind of what he has at Excelsior that uh, Curtis also just switched to as well, or the, that model? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's one of my main winter projects is to find one of those Maytag models and convert it into a space. Spinners with the removable thing, like you mentioned, yeah. Um, and then for the bubbler, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that'll be my next thing. I just, I still, I was like washing in the the Rubbermaid totes, you know. So I just need to move up to a bigger like trough thing, because just like when you're doing, you know, like sixty pounds of greens or whatever, that's just really annoying to do little. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Amount at a time. <laughs> No, I agree. Um, so yeah, I I don't know if I'm. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure that bubbler works awesome, but I don't know if I want to just try out just a larger one and then move up from there first. Yeah, but I'm stoked. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, if people want to, uh, if they're in the area and they want to start buying from your farm or they want to contact you. Uh, via the interwebs, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, so yeah, I've, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Radical Roots Farm. Um, if they want to check out 
some updates. Um, as far as the general public uh, who wants access to the stuff I grow, um, for you know the majority of the year, I have all my uh, produce at Central Oregon Locavore, which is uh, like a nonprofit grocery store in Bend. Um, so that's a great place. And then you could also find my stuff at Agricultural Connections, which is the distributor I was mentioning. Great. That's great. Uh, Scott, you have anything else to add? No, I think we pretty much hit on everything. Cool. Well, hey, James, uh, thanks for joining us again, man. And um, everything is great to have you on. Uh, and everyone, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks, James. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. No problem. <laughs> Bye.